Hey everyone, it's Naomi Sneekus, and welcome to the Firecracker Department, where each episode I talk to dynamic, interesting, inspiring women in the entertainment industry about their victories, their challenges, and lessons they've learned along their way in their career. We have these really great, candid discussions about what it's taken them to get to where they are in their life, and it's kind of one of my favorite things to do. This episode, I am talking to somebody that I adore, and I'm so excited to share her voice with you all. Her name's Anushree Roy. She is one of those Jacqueline of all trades gals. She is a playwright. She's an actress. She's a a, a TV writer. She's a producer. I'm sure I'm missing out other things. She can do it all. Uh, She premiered her first piece back in 2006 called Breathlessness. And then she went on and did plays like Piazza, which she won two Dora Awards for in Canada. And then she wrote things like Letters to My Grandma, Brothel Number 9. She won a Carol Bolt Award for that. And she's just been nominated. She actually, she's been nominated for the Governor General's Award for English Language Drama, which is incredible. So she's just... She's a dynamo, and I I just adore her. Um, We met, I think we've known each other for, I can't even remember, for a long time, anyway. And um, my company, the National Theatre of the World, we were doing a an improvised format where called the script tease, um, where we asked a playwright to write us two pages of a script that's never been written before, and we read it for the first time in front of the audience, and then throw the pages down and improvise the rest of the play. Um, so she. She said yes, first of all, which I just love. I love when people, like artists, just go, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's do that project. And um, then she said in her, because we asked for like a character breakdown and costume choices and set pieces. So she said that we had to, I had to wear a sari and that the cast had to speak with uh, an Indian accent. So that was like a great challenge. It was such a great challenge. First of all, I don't have a sorry, so she provided that because that's the kind of girl she is. And I certainly didn't have an Indian accent. So I worked so hard on that. And um, luckily, you know, the audience was very uh, accepting of it and realized I wasn't being cheeky. I was following her, her direction, which, you know, that's what you do. Uh, I so loved. And also she turned up with um, treats. Oh, my God. What did she turn up with? Um, samosas. Oh my god, they were so, so good. Not the thing you want to usually eat before you go on stage, but how can you say no? How can you say no? I uh, I so enjoyed our discussion because uh, it talked a lot about, you know, what it took for her to become a writer and um, what it takes for her to become an artist in this community because that's just the thing. You know, you don't just create something and then you're set. You create something or you star in something and then people go, oh, that was really good. What next? And she's the kind of gal that is always looking for the next thing. She's always got her her mind active to what she's writing about and uh, what she's thinking about and what she's creating. And I find that so inspiring. I'm writing a TV show right now, and uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. I don't know if any of you are writers out there, but I'd love to know how you guys do it. Because uh, I'm an actor first, and now I've started writing. But because it's not something I have confidence in, oh my gosh, the times that I write, and then I'll write like one scene, and then as a reward for doing something that is scary, I watch a show on Netflix. It's not a great format. It's not great, because I don't get as much done as I probably could and should if I was off offline. How do you guys juggle all that stuff? I think that's going to be one of my spark questions coming up is how do you 
start getting creative because I, I think that's something that people often struggle with. Um, but it is something that I think a lot about. I'm so in admiration for people that have strong work ethics. Um, my friend uh, here in Los Angeles, Monique Madrid, just produced a show. It's um, a sketch show in Los Angeles. If you are in Los Angeles, you should go see this show. It's so good. It's called Real Live Women. And um, it's just a smart, funny, surprising, professional sketch show. Now, I've seen a lot of sketch. I used to do Second City and, uh, you know, we we would perform and create uh, a new sketch show every year. So I've seen that, but I've also seen a lot of sketch show in our community, whether it's Toronto or Los Angeles. And it's really easy to... It's really easy to not... Um, I don't even know how to say this. It, it, to be lazy, to, like, just throw some stuff together, grab a funny wig or a weird tie, and that is your set and that's your sketch show and I so love seeing folks like Monique who created this sketch show that is so professional like the costumes were great the producing was great and the writing it was so smart and funny and uh, I kind of want to see it again that's how good it is how many times have you seen a sketch show that you're like I want to see that again but I do so if you're in LA go see her show uh, you can find out information on her Twitter site at Monique Madrid. Uh, it really is great. Who is listening that writes sketch? I would love to find out who is writing sketch, who's writing TV shows. Uh, drop me a, a line on the old Twitter universe or um, drop me an email. Firecrackerdept at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And I always write back, just so you know. I always write back. And you know why? Because it's a great form of procrastination from my writing so it's guaranteed you'll always guarantee it i'll tell you this if i have a writing deadline the house will be spotless meals will be cooked and emails will be returned my taxes will get done that's how good i am at procrastination if you're gonna do something do it well right all right let's have a little listen to my conversation with anushree roy you. I'm good. I'm so it's happy so to be nice here. to see you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I'm me. so happy that could work last minute because we sometimes love studio spaces and it's like, let's find out if somebody's there. That's so awesome. So you just yeah. had a free t- free slot today. Yeah, I like I I'm eating this just, cheese. Oh my god, you should take finish it. There's a knife. Um, yeah, they just sometimes have spaces, and because I'm I'm because we're part time in Los Angeles right now, and so I'm only back this week, and I said, you know, I have all this space today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And let's get into the Mind studio. You. And then they, they had some space in the studio. So it worked out. Thank Yay. you so much. I am so happy. Are you well? I'm good. Life is good. This is beautiful. This is my grandmother's. Stop. From who who lived to be 105. Stop. And um, she, she it's probably the only thing she brought over when she um, they escaped from Lithuania to Germany. And she gave it to me with such little fanfare that she was like, one day I remember like watching probably like some soap opera. Uh, another world. It's so heavy. And uh, right, and she, um, and she was like, "Okay, this doesn't fit here." You take. I know, and I was like, "Oh wait, wait, we should record." Like I was like Huge, having this like moment. a life moment. Uh-uh. It just it doesn't fit me anymore. <sighs> and then this was my mom's, and my mom, who has dementia now, she. Um, oh, so it's so nice to have them both, both with both me. Both of them together, and you got married. Oh yeah, we got married about three years ago. Um, this was my engagement, and then that was Matt's mum's ring that we found, because she passed away 15 years ago, and I was like, it fits perfectly for me. So, 
he got away because he didn't need to buy another. <laughs> no. <laughs> and when are you getting married? We're getting married. Oh my um, gosh, so pretty. August 19th next wow. year. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. How's that sitting in your heart? So good. Yeah. Simply because I'm marrying the kindest human being I have yeah. ever known. So I feel Thank very goodness. secure and happy. Yeah. So have you known like, him a long time? Of course I love him. Yeah. Of course I wouldn't marry somebody I didn't love, but I really like him. Yeah. That's so a, like, yeah. Do that's, you know what I mean? Like yes. it's like my inside of my being is very secure and like rooted and grounded and like solid and Quiet. Yeah. Yes, I understand. Which that. for me is very different. Yeah. So it's not, but it's nice to have one part of my life just quiet. Like it's so quiet. Easy. Nothing. Oh my God. Like liquid. Yeah. You know. How long have you known each other? Two and a half years. Yeah. That's great. I oh, knew. Feel like I that's knew the second. For other people, it is not for is me because for I'm I'm very heavy. Like I'm very heavy. Like I don't. I've never introduced anybody to my family. Never. Oh. Other than when I was seventeen, no one other. My friends have met no one I've ever been with. Really. Never. So for me, when I made that decision, I was like, yeah, and this is why. Yeah. So it, for me, it doesn't feel fast to everybody else. It's yeah. Like, We've never met anybody and suddenly what's going on. <laughs> but for they me, thought I like, came out of the blue. Yeah, but yeah. but for me because I think I've I'm so I've rege- not re- yeah rejected so many people along the way just because it's not or orga- like inside my stomach it wasn't quiet mm-hmm. that I think when that happened I was like oh yeah and the, it was the second month three months we were third month we were together I introduced him to my family and that day when we were coming home Ryan said we're coming back to my apartment uh, where we now live together. But be- before it was just my, my place. Mm-hmm. We were coming back to my place and Ryan said, I have a present. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he gave me a gift from a hardware store. Yeah. And I was like, I was like expecting like a pretty like necklace, yeah. like some mismatched yeah. thing that would make me feel good. Like it was like a package that I don't even know how to read. I was like, what is this? very practical thing mm-hmm. that you were giving me. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, do you not know me? Like, how is this going to ever work? Right, <laughs> right. And it's a carbon monoxide detector because I didn't have one. <laughs> and I, then I picked so up my phone. Romantic. And I texted my cousin. I was like, I will marry this man one day. Because oh. like, that's just very real for me. Right. You know? And I was like, this guy's very nice. That's He's a very, very nice sweet. That's very romantic in a really different way. Yeah, like, a, yeah. just. To, but this is not my idea. Mine is yeah. like, just like lavish things yeah. happening. But maybe that's your part. Yeah. Right? Like that's, and that's what I bring, I yeah. think. I think is why why it's lasting. And how were your parents with him? So good. Oh. Yeah. So good. Because I was too. looking at, because my idea of my ideal partner was going to be 50, white, why? divorced, why? with what? two kids, who's a producer. That's really? what I was looking for. But why did that... Why I didn't want your... a young guy who's two years younger than me, Indian. Right. No. Why not? Save me. Who wants to marry Brown Town? No. Well, um, I don't know. Like what I'm doing right. Some people that do it. Obviously, you do. And if the person's right, I don't know. But you were like, you wanted to marry a white fifty-year-old year old producer who already has who two we kids. already know doesn't really <laughs> work. So you actually dodged a bullet. I know. Uh, that's interesting. And your parents loved him. Yeah, because they were like, my mother said, he's so normal. Yeah. Is he Canadian? He's Canadian. Canadian, He identifies as Canadian. (laughs) His parents are Guyanese. It's funny that you should say identifies as a Canadian because, like, that doesn't entirely make sense to me. But I get it. Like, it's like, who, where are you from? 
Like, I'm first-generation Canadian. So what would you say if someone was like, Naomi, who are you? I'd say Canadian, Lithuanian, British. Uh-huh. Because it's so much a part of my upbringing. Uh-huh. But I'm first-generation, so I'm like, I was born in Canada. What would you say? Indo-Canadian. Right. Because I was born in... I, I, this but you were I born in Because I came so. here when I was 17. Yeah. So I identify that. But Ryan, same to you, same like you, born yeah. here. But from Guyanese parents, but he doesn't... Like, if somebody's like, are you Guyanese Indian? He's like, no, I'm Canadian. Oh, like, interesting. It's a thing. Like, he's like, no, yeah. I don't have any... Parties. I've never been there. So 17, you moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, your mom's a, 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 a teacher. Physics. Physics teacher. In India, yeah. And what did your dad do? In India, he was an engineer. Engineer. Yeah, so super science-brained folks. Yeah. Uh, and siblings? And my older sister, yeah. Yeah, and, and is she science? Uh, she's a teacher. Right. Not science, but yeah, teacher. So how did you... Um, well, first of all, that move must have exploded your brain as a 17-year-old, mm-hmm. where all you're looking is for some sort of security and yeah. normalcy. normalcy. Yeah, yeah, right? Um, and then you move here. Where did you move to originally? Islington Lakeshore. Okay. It was the only kind of area we could afford at the time. Right. And was there an Indian community there? Um, like, we went to the temple, like, that week, yeah. as soon as we moved, to, like, get a sense of community. Yeah. But not there, like, hugely. There was a lot of diverse population there, and still is, but there at the time. Yeah. Um, especially in the apartment complexes that we stayed in. Right. But no, like, we didn't move there because of uh, the, the community being strong. I think we should have gone to like Brampton in order to access the community more so. But right. we just went there because the rent was cheap at that time. And then the uh, the kind of immigration company we came, came with uh-huh. set us up there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What what do you remember about that time of your life, 17? Really hard. Mm-hmm. Like really Was hard. any of it easy? No. <laughs> no. Like just, just we were, the four of us were very, like we're still close, but we were very close. Yeah, you like, had to be. Because you just are... Like, that's all you have, you know. Uh, but it was hard, and I think 9-11 was really hard on my family. Right. Was that, is that the same year? Mm, so we came... No, no, no. Way that's 17, what we're talking about. So we came, like, way at the end of 1999. Yeah. So then 2000, 2001. So it was a year and a half in. Yeah. So it was, it was tricky. And yeah. I think we lost... I don't know. I think you know. But we lost all our money within the first month. No, I didn't know that. What so we had, a, we had a suitcase, like your backpack or your suitcase... Don't ask me why. All the life savings was in that suitcase, including passport, visa, landing paper, all of everything, health mm-hmm. health document was in that suitcase for all four of us. And our first month, the guy who moved us from the guest house to that apartment in Islington Lakeshore, it was with my dad, and my mom thought it was with dad, dad thought it was with mom. Oh, no. Four adults, no. new to Canada, English third language, just gone. gone. And I mean, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I don't mean, like, we had 15000 in our no. a- another bank account. I everything. mean, like, my parents' life sa- Like, everything was in that one bag, one suitcase. Was oh, just, my God, that's making me nauseous. Yeah, it was just, like, gone. So I think it escalated. I lost my wallet for five minutes yesterday. It was under the table. I, I lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's on such yeah. a lower level. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I lost my wallet last month uh, in Stratford and I remember like having to redo all of it. Yeah. And I remember thinking, how did we even manage that? How did they even recover from something like that? We prayed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We like, just prayed a lot. And then my father had to swallow his pride and asked for money, which I've never seen a man more humiliated. Oh, man. And a physics professor mother had to 
get a job at a daycare changing diapers because that's all she could get. Yeah. And my dad got a job selling electricity. I do something selling something door to door. Then he got fired from that. Then he got a job. Mind you, like civil engineer, CEO of a company has hundreds and thousands of employees under him. Yeah. Is a tank in India. Like, yeah. Just multiple cars, like just a whole different lifestyle, servants, house, everything. And the second job, I think, which he also got fired from, was stuffing phone book, telephone books with like um, flyers. Flyers. Yeah. And then he got a call center job. Then could not keep that down. And then was unemployed for about a year. Man. And then finally got a job, which he had to leave because his mother was passing away in that year and a half. My grandmother was passing away in India. Oh my god. So then he went and asked for to be. Like to get the holiday, like whatever yeah. that's called, yeah, some time off. But then they were like, "You've not even been here for three months. So you have to. You don't. You're not in the probation phase. Yeah. So you had to leave that. And oh, it was just so. I remember that time being a very. My sister has a lot more access to that time, which is strange because I'm a writer and I am a keeper of things, but I don't. And we, I don't go in that area. I don't. I don't. It's a very inaccessible time mm. in my life. Which is strange for me. Yeah, why do you think you haven't been able to access that? Because I'm so or, sad. I mean, you your plays aren't comedy, <laughs> so... <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, they're not... Because uh, it makes me sad. It makes me really yeah. sad. You're just not ready to, to face that maybe yet. Maybe there'll be a time but in your life. what does that even mean? I face everything. I don't like, know. I'm so open about everything. Yeah, but that's a whole other category. I, like, carry my... You ask me anything, I'll tell you the truth. Because I believe in, like, living a very authentic life. You know what I mean? So, Well, like, how did you perceive your folks at that time? Like, what did you think of their, their struggles during no that time? No one's ever asked me that. That's such a good question. How did I perceive my parents as that at that time? Helpless. And I just knew my father to be a money-making tycoon and my mother to be a classy, educated woman from a huge house. I grew up in a lot of affluence. It's very hard to go from that to goodwill, you know? Oh. And, I'm, and yeah. I don't mean that as self-pitying. I just mean that as fact, you know? Like, it's really hard. Yeah. Well, to... why do you think people struggle so hard to... I mean, people live beyond their means constantly now. Yeah. Just to hold on to hold that on to status, that. right? So and so, your perception of your parents at the time were that they were helpless, which can't be an easy thing for. I think for a seventeen-year-old, well, it's very yeah. good. I mean, even for a thirty-five-year-old, it's difficult. But I think as seventeen-year-old, it's strange. Like, yeah, you know, like, what is happening? You know, I mean, and I just I used to sit on the edge of my bed. <laughs> I don't think I ever talked about. It. I used to sit on the edge of my bed, like tiny little apartment with Anna, and I rats everywhere from a home from like. Anyway, and and I no home from like what? Like just a lot of maids and like affluence and like I've never made my bed. I've never I don't have a sense of reality, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's not my parents' fault for spoiling me, which now feels spoiling. But it's just a reality. Mm -hmm. Like if you have people in the home doing things for you, why are you doing it? Like it's just a different reality. That's Mm -hmm. all. Like it's not. I don't consider that a luxury because that's what I was raised in. It would be luxury now because I will make a choice to do that Mm -hmm. for myself. It's not. I didn't. I didn't decide to be born in that environment. It just happened to be raised in that environment right. of a lot of things done for me, you know, as a, as a young adult. So I used to remember in that little rat-infested apartment, and I used to sit at the edge of our beds, and we would go like, okay, so let's, like, start dreaming. Like, what do you want to be, you mm-hmm. know? And what's great and why I'm grateful to the universe is every dream I dreamt then, bar some, some are still I'm working on, 
all of it's happened hmm. you know like I used to like name all the theaters I would work with name all the actors I would work with name all the writers you were doing like know. the original secret yeah I was doing the original <laughs> secret before it was a cheesy before video before it was a secret yeah I did the original secret yeah and it's all happened bar some of the other things that I'm still working on but huh. but yeah like it's strange to me that that kept me going you know yeah like Anna and I going well what element do you think um, is within your character now that you learned from that time? Hustle. Yeah? Hustle, yeah, hustle. Yeah, your parents had to hustle, huh? Yeah. Hustle, like, I just... And that's, like, in my bones. Like, it's very but hard It wasn't before? No. No. Because easy. Like Your mates hustled for you. Yeah, my mates are hustling. What am I hustling? Would you mind hustling? And Please. now you'd be like, can I'm you tweet for me? Can you tweet? <laughs> <laughs> but that hustle is, is, is in my DNA. Like, I have a very hard time. I really do. Like, I have a very hard time. If someone says no to something, I I, have, I always go, okay, that's fine. Like, you don't want to hire me, fine. But what will I do to make sure that I get better so you hire me? Like, so next time we next talk. Time. Oh. So, like, what, are, what, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when I've, like, hustled. When has that happened to you? Like, okay, so recently I've been visualizing to book this. For three years I've visualized. Three years I've had a folder in my email with the name Jeff Alpern, which is a Los Angeles and Toronto writing agent. Mm-hmm. And I've just, three years I've visualized this agent. I was like, I want Jeff Alpern. I just want to book him. Because I right. met him three years ago at a thing, at a lunch. And I was like, oh, who is this person? Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like enamored by his magnetic mm-hmm. personality. And I just knew I didn't have the writing material to book him before this. Mm-hmm. And I have a spec. I write as pilot. Okay. So we get on the phone. I send it to him. A friend of mine, Sandra, amazing friend of mine, who hooked us up. And I get on the call with him. And he's read... By this time, he's read my pilot. And I get on the call. I can just hear it in his voice. And he's like, you know, I mean, it's good. And I was like, okay. so Because in, in my head, I'm thinking he's going to be like, yeah, I want to work with right. you. And like my right. three years of visualization. Yeah, yeah, so it has to happen. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? It has to happen. Yeah. I did the original secret. Yeah. So he was like, it's good, this pilot. But it's not a TV show. Yet. So, I mean, it's good. And I was like, do not pass me on to a junior assistant. Do not I right. do anything. What do I need to do? <laughs> right. What do I need to tell me? Tell me how I can get better because I just want you. Yeah. I, I visualized you. I don't want to know for an answer. Like, what right. do I have to do? Like, just say it, you know? And he's like, what else do you have? Do you have another thing? And I was like, yeah, I have a spec mm-hmm. for Kim's Convenience. I wrote a spec. So yeah. it's like, I can send that to you. So I send it to him. And then he calls me. He's like, this is really good. Okay. But, and I was like, do not pass me on to a junior person. I want to, like, so it's like, I, for me, it's very hard when someone's like, I don't want to work with you. And right. Anyway, the conclusion of that story is good. So he, he booked me. Yeah. So we're working together yeah, now. Yeah, great. Which is great. But for me to give, use that, I, I find it very hard because I always want to be like, I know it's not 100%. So if it's 80, you got to tell me what to do to make it 100. Yeah. I cannot, because I just don't want you to tell me that it's not possible. Right. Like, don't tell but me no. I get it. I get it. Do you know this. what I mean? Like, don't totally. say no. Don't but reject at the same me. Tell time, me how to improve it. Which makes sense in the world of maybe writing, where you go, I need I need more from you. I need you to write a different pilot. I need uh-huh. to write a different spec. Edit it. And you can do that. But what happens if they say, like, this uh-huh. isn't right? Something that you can't change, which is, uh, like, how I look and how I am. Uh-huh. Then you eat shit. <laughs> like... <laughs> You All know, right. just as long as I know what's ahead. Because yeah. it's true. Like when I look back to like seven years ago, Anushree, 
Chubby Anushri did not book the roles that Thin Anushri is booking. Right. It's just true. Like, parts I went out for then, I would never get cast now. Patek part, like the lead parts that I'm going out for now, mm-hmm. I would never, ever get cast then because our business is like that. Right. So it's a strange reality that you have to face. Yeah as a result of the business that we're in and the constant rejection in the acting side. Is yeah. that what you mean, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's something you can't change if somebody says, um, I don't you're like the, just your too brown-eyed. Which has happened. You're just, I've had you just too brown. You're way too brown. You're right. Not too brown. Right. So, not light enough. I mean, or that's... like, you're too light brown, not dark enough. So that then you just eat shit. Like, what do you do? Right. Because I can't, just... like, go back and change it. Yeah, but that's, I think that's something, like, you have to sort of wrestle with a little bit and go, no, that's for my personality. Yeah. 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 And that's tricky because I want to be like, so I want this. what can I do to what change? Can I do to, what can I do to like ensure that I'm, I'm improving? Yeah. You know, because yeah. I'm very aware, uh, like I'm a good writer, but, but every TV show is looking for a specific thing. Every play is producer that wants to produce your play. Yeah. God willing, I've been blessed to have that ability is looking for a specific thing. So, when you have Iris Turcotte, as I've been blessed to have as your dramaturg, you never get take notes personally. You just go like, so it's bad. Right. Red line <laughs> over the page. Right. Like all the pages read. Like cross through so, like, red line? Great. Like, so, like cross through oh. and then page, page is just thrown. Like she would just like take the page and go, bad. Bad. Oh boy. Like just like across the room. And you so, never took that personally? No, because even at the beginning. Swear to God. Because I knew, I what? swear I would tell you the truth. I swear I would tell you the truth. How could you not take it I would find it irritating. Heart. No, I would find it irritating because I realized she just want. because I realized very early on, she literally just wanted the work to be so good. She checked She's her ego. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Woman. Yeah. And her ego was checked at the door. Like, and you could. And uh, everybody I mean, across the board says what extra- you're saying about working with her. Yeah. And yeah. she would always say to you, she would say to me, she, I remember being in a negotiated negotiation between two theater companies in Toronto who wanted to produce a specific play. And she called me up and she said, be loyal to the story. Do not do it for the money. It doesn't matter who's paying you more. Do not do it for the cast. Do not mm-hmm. do it. Who is going to, who has, which producer has more ability to serve the story. Mm. So which producer is going to give you more workshops? Which producer is going to give you more time? Which was going to give you more rehearsal? You have to go with them regardless of anything else. Mm-hmm. And it was always in service of the story. And I got that in the dramaturgy meeting. So yeah. if this is shit and the page is getting thrown across the thing... It's not personal. It's not... No, because I know that she's just serving the story. She's not serving, like, me Anushri. Right. But the only trick was, though, when she was like... This is fucking brilliant. Yeah. I had to watch that my head didn't explode. Right. Because the next second would be like, but the second section's shit. Like, <laughs> like it's never, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the ability to detach myself from my work like that uh-huh. and not take it personally. Do you think it's because your work is, when you write, do you think it's because your work is you? Like I'm improvising you? Yeah. Mean? Yeah, maybe. Because I'm making shit up about other people that are not yeah, real. Your stories are based on a lot of your own world. like. But it's not me. It's other people. Right, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So it's like fictionalized yeah. people that have names and ages but and identity. But doesn't it, like, what does it cost you to write your plays? Like, emotionally, what does it cost you? Now you're asking me questions that have never been asked. Oh. I'm going to write them down. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to record them. <laughs> <laughs> Just take notes later. Um... What does it cost you to write your stories? What does it cost you? What does it cost you to write your stories? Uh, 
I find myself very emotionally exhausted a lot of the times when I'm on deadline because I'm carrying these people with me. So I find it's an emotional cost mm-hmm. uh, and it costs me attention. So if I'm on a deadline, I'm half present when I'm not writing and I'm aware I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not on deadline right now, so I'm fully present, but I'm half not present. Right. Because I know it's just true. Yeah. I'm just like not half present. And there are things I'm like solving in my head that I'm not aware. Lines that I hear. Actions that I know I have to go change. Words that I know I have to go change. So I'm kind of a, either notepad or phone or like something. Kind of, kind of, so I'm kind of, it costs me emotionally definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'm very sad often for my characters because I don't write comedies because I can't write comedies. So Wait, often. Well, yet. Well, I don't know. You're very you. You've got comedy accessible to you. You do. You're a, you're not like you're Naomi. Joyful. Well, goodness knows no, there's not a lot like me. But um, but so if it so my question to you is, so if it costs you that emotionally draining for somebody to say this is shit and throw it away, how is that not taken personally? Because you then go. Okay. So then how can I hope if it's not because it's because it's about craft, mm-hmm. not talent. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's about, about the technicality like, techni- as opposed techni- to, you so, know, you can write. Yes. Yeah. I gotcha. And I'm insecure about a thousand other things in my life and fully <laughs> complicated three dimensional character. Yeah. This department in my life, I have faith in myself. Right. You know, so I can go like the talent is not in question. So the craft is. So I haven't crafted the scene or the depth of the character or the conflict is not real. Mm -hmm. So then like you, guru, Iris, tell me how to craft it better Mm -hmm. or suggest what's not working and I'll go and do it. But she was heavily criticized as well. I'm not. There was many people that were like could not work with her and had a lot of problems and that's fine yeah there's not you know everybody can't work with everybody but i remember i used to be frustrated with her i used to be like you're wrong right like i think you're wrong right that's the debate though yeah that's that's just but that's not the debate you want to have you're like i don't agree with you versus like it's it's costing me because it's just craft like she's just commenting on technique craft Mm -hmm. you know it's not her to the talent was never in question Mm -hmm. which i think is a distinction um so yeah. where did that, where did your passion for writing come from? You move here at 17, you set your eyes on th- a theatrical career. Mm-hmm. You go to York. I do go to York. And that's when you go, like, was it always playwriting or was it acting first? No, I wanted to be an actor yeah. at York and they, they didn't take me in the acting field. They were like, not good. Oh. So then I was devastated. But then you were like, wait a second, let me change some stuff <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. They were like, still not still good. Not good. Still okay. Not good. Okay. No, right. they, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. Um, no, they just didn't take me. And I remember being devastated because at the time I was like, you know, 20 something. And I was like, I'm really good. Like, why they not take me? I don't understand what happened. Like what happened? And I was crying and I said to my mother oh my goodness like what am I going to do this is it this is it and my mother was like so if you think you're good why does the institution have to define that you're good just do it so someone's going to tell you lousy advice is that <laughs> what you a know? great thing do you have for your mother to say that's amazing so someone said you're not good and suddenly you're believing them so if they said that you were good you would believe them oh my god like, I was like in my from? 30s when I learned that lesson not to let other people define me that's amazing yeah she was like so so suddenly if they say to you you're brilliant you'll believe it yeah and you'll not improve on anything no one can tell you you're bad then right because you just wow. believe that you're very good or you just believed you're very bad because someone told you you're very bad. Like, where is your own, what do you think, yeah. you know? 
And then I negotiated with her. I said, Ma, okay, but can I go? I was like, that's fine, but I still want to get into like enough of your like self-affirming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's all I, well and that's good. That's well, well and good. But I really want acting training because th- that's all anybody ever talked about yeah. here, you know. Yeah. So I said, can I go to National Theatre School? Like, I really want to go to NTS and they're doing auditions. All these colleagues, friends of mine at the time are auditioning to NTS. Can I go? And she said uh, very calmly, National Theatre School has the word school behind it. Oh. We didn't come to this country for you to go to school. You've been to school. You need to go to university. You need to graduate from university. Be so excellent that one day your published plays are being taught at National Theatre School and then you can go give a lecture. Until then, <laughs> go to university. Like, she just like... And were you dev- how- were you like debating that? Were you devastated by that? I was that? devastated. Yeah. I was devastated because I wanted to go. Yeah. And then I said to her, well, one day they're going to teach my published plays and then I'm going to go. And she's like, that's exactly what I said. So <laughs> why are you saying that? Back? Why are you just repeating me? Like just your. Uh, so you went to York for playwriting. So I went. So then I once I didn't get in. I yeah. I was like, okay, what do I do now? So I went to theater studies, and I remember thinking like, this is like, what am I doing here? Like all I want to do is be an actor. Like, yeah. I don't understand. I always wrote. I never not wrote. And then, but when I so you're always writing plays anyways always, oh, since I was five I've written just like for your sister and you to do or for yourself <laughs> for or? the community so we did <laughs> I did plays no for real in India that's awesome for, for real like I did a lot of street theater with um, street kids in India yeah um, I did theater uh, with Mother Teresa's uh, in Mother Teresa's Heard place. Heard of her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's new to the business. Uh, at her in her institution at Premdan. Yeah. So I did theater there. I did um, a lot of theater. Yeah. Okay. So working with well, I'm going back a little bit, but that doesn't seem like the trajectory of a privileged um, child to do stuff like that. True. Where's I don't know. I've always, I've always, I've never not, like when I volunteered with her, I don't know, I've never not done that. Like I, yeah. I think I was just raised in a home that had a lot of um, backstory on war. So we, it was a big deal for us. It was a big deal. Community engagement in my house was mm. like non-negotiable. Like you had to engage and give back either financially or with your time. It was a big deal in my house because we talked about the war and as a, like an everyday conversation, like how, hey, how are you? Like that came up, like stories about the war came up around the dining table with my grandmother who survived the war, my grandfather survived the war, and I over to India partition from Pakistan. So it was a big deal in my house. Mm. So you had to be engaged in the community. So every Christmas I put on a play before Santa came and gave the uh, street children uh, candy. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a bakery, my family owned a bakery. So in front of the bakery, I used to, my uncle used to do a stage and I used to do months of rehearsal and we put up plays there and then we, the other thing job I did was teach street kids in India in Kolkata uh, how to learn English so my friend Piyu and I set up a little school so wow. after school we would do that that's awesome and then Mother Teresa stuff yeah so it's never not so you've always been writing on some level some level in order so to be able to do that for you to write you're like well I've already been doing this yeah so it wasn't a thing but then what I realized is when I started writing so I got, did this playwriting class I wrote a little play got in uh, Judith Rudakoff who was a playwright prof- is a playwright professor at York really encouraged me but what I what I found when I was writing is I just wasn't interested in writing in English oh. I wanted to write in Bengali and Hindi in the script so, so like people spoke in multiple languages and I found that very natural to my like be like way of writing sure but I didn't know if it made sense in a community where I never saw that on stage. You know what I mean? Like when I went to see plays in right. Toronto at that time, 
because they give free tickets to theater students or you volunteer as an usher or whatever. Yeah. I never saw any of it. Like I no. never saw any of it up there. So I was I just didn't know if it would make sense to anybody but me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was Judith who was like, you can't lose that voice. Like don't lose that voice. Yeah. Just keep writing in it and just pursue that. So you'd know? write in that voice and then translate or ha- or No, I would just write if you if you read or see Piazza letters to my grandma, brother number 9, it's just in Hindi Bengali English. Like right. lots of characters are just talking in Bengali to each other and then speaking in English like as if yeah, I would do with my parents. I talk in Bengali and English and it's it's just what it is. I yeah. don't translate what I said in Bengali and English. It's just how it is, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it came naturally after that. So when you were studying to be a playwright, like even looking back now, are you glad that you went that path instead of acting right away? I am now. Yeah. But I wasn't. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But don't you like? I find it quite comforting to look back at the things that I thought were failures and realize that they were. Successes. They were actually successes. Yeah. Yeah, but in the moment, aren't you like? Oh God, yeah. What the hell? No. It's, I'm allowed to say. Yeah. Yeah, you're allowed to say hell. Um, no, I absolutely. But yeah. uh, in retrospect, it's comforting. in retrospect, I am very, very glad because what yeah. I what it did was it made me hustle ten times harder. To be an actor. Yeah, because I had no skill. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I would get on, I would do these gigs and I would get on stage and I would be like, what do they mean by assistant stage manager? Right. What does places mean? Like, I'm like, wait, what does that mean? Yeah. There's so much meaning, like, I didn't understand. Like, light walking. Like, what does that mean? Like, because I just wasn't in a conservatory. What does iambic pentameter mean? Like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, there's a lot that I didn't understand. Yeah. So I found that hard in a job when I had to like learn really, really fast Mm -hmm. and I had to just get rid of feeling intimidated. I just had to like put on the hat of like, and now I just have to figure it out. Yeah. So watch senior actors. I asked for help from senior actors, but I, so there were times where I was like, I'm really glad I don't have any sort of tricks to fall back on because all I have is instinct Mm -hmm. and all I have is like be really authentic in this moment because I don't have any sort of other way of making the scene work other than like saying the lines and like really truly like making eye contact do you yeah. know what I mean like yeah. I don't know how else to do it because you never did end up studying no I did okay. I didn't get in yeah and so. when I graduated I wanted to do a master's um so I did a master's and then I just started to work in the business yeah with so, so I felt like I sometimes felt very kind of fish out of water like mm-hmm. and these people are talking really really fast and like kind of like using these technical terms like I just don't understand right you know what I mean like yeah. I don't understand it so that was difficult but the other side of the writing was which was easy was like when somebody asked me to change something in the script I would go no that's not my voice I'm not doing it right Right, do you know what I mean so there was a trade off where there was a part of it that just like because I learned it in school to not change it yeah I'm not doing it I'm not cutting it sorry even if it means you're not producing it you know right did that ever happen yeah that people said cut this or we're not going to produce it yeah What, what would be something they'd need to cut so without naming anything, sure. uh, last year was a situation uh-huh. where... Uh, I was thinking this is like early in your career. Yeah, early, like, early as well, but yeah. also still now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just had a play pulled because uh, a play just uh, rejected, that was slated for production that's not getting produced because um, I wouldn't change uh, a very key ingredient in it because I authentically don't think it needs to be changed. And right. it's just not, like, I'm not going to change it because... I just don't think it needs to be changed. And this is coming from somebody, truly I say this, like I have, anybody that's worked with me that is hearing this knows this, like 
I live for notes. Like I, li- I really do. Like as a writer, I live for notes because you're seeing what I can't see. So I live for notes. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I would tell you if it's slightly an ego thing. It's just like not. I just, if I authentically don't believe. Yeah. Because there's can, probably been other things they've said, can you change this? 100%. You've been like, oh my God. I've fine. rewritten things on previews as actors from like Little Pretty on The Exceptional can tell you. I've rewritten scenes, like added things that did not exist on previews. And what they want to kill me. Actors, yeah, exactly. Right? They want to kill me. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I say it, I'm like, if you did this to me, I would never talk to you. Like, right. oh my God, why are you doing Why am I doing this to you? I'm so sorry. But like, this is life yeah. because somebody suggested something better. And sure, yeah, people, people know better than you because yeah. you, they're not you and they're not writing and they're not invested for four years in this thing. You know, yeah. somebody will always have a better idea. That's just truth, you know? Yeah. But I remember thinking like in that environment where I was like, you are asking me to change a key thing in yeah. a script. If not, you're pulling the production. That is yeah. a crazy thing. Yeah. Sure, pull it. I'm not doing it then. But it costs you a production. Right. But I, I feel like that your mother's voice would say it would have cost your authenticity if you hadn't. Yeah. Right? It, and that's yeah. that's all from your mom. Yeah. That, that is kind all, of that is steadfastness. Yeah. Um, what was the time? So you finished your... Your York training, you started producing, like, did you start pitching your plays right away? In my, after I did my master's, yeah. 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 We produced Piazza, my two friends and I, David and Thomas. Was that um, self-produced? Was self-produced. That a, yeah. the, first, the first one was self-produced. Yeah. Uh, with borrowed money from my father and whatever money I had in my bank account. And God willing, that did really well. And then Passmore, I picked it up. Passmore, I produced it. And then it kept going from that, yeah. thankfully. But it was... What was the moment that you were like, Oh, I can I can make a living do this, or I can, I can this can this can be a. Mm-hmm. I know what was the moment that you thought this was actually something that you could do as a career choice. Uh, I, um, ten years ago, I made a pact with my gods, and I said that starting new this that new year, I was like I will not have a job. I will not have a second job. Oh, okay. So just I thought you meant I like a job at all. Like, that is the worst pack I've ever heard. <laughs> I will be homeless. I will, you will listen to me. I will not have a job. Uh, no, I made a pact with my gods. I will not have a job that I think is a job. Right. I will just follow my passion and you figure money out. And I'm grateful that so far it's worked out. Yeah. And I've, but I don't know at what moment it was. I just made a pact. I was yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Like I'm not working. What like, were your Joe jobs before? Retail. Like I just. Did oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Canadiana gift shop was my favorite oh, job. Oh boy. Did. An incredible boss. I Paige, really Paige can't Moore imagine. Best boss. Yeah. Like I was a very good like. Hi, how are you? Yeah, like, of course I just, you were. I just like knew how to do it, and I loved my <laughs> boss. Like she was an amazing boss. Yeah. So I just I worked there for all my all my masters and a couple of my undergrad years and and just like really enjoyed it. Right. So when I left, I was like sad to be leaving her. Yeah. But also I made that pact, so I couldn't be like, can I have another shift tomorrow? Like right. I made that pact. So yeah, and you I can't like, like put a footnote to the gods. Oh, by no. the way. By the way, P.S. Like if extra shifts shifts come up, <laughs> that's like, right. Um, <laughs> but I did a lot of retail. Yeah. Uh, fun. That's interesting. So, so was there? You, you, I mean, you still started. I mean, you started acting in mm-hmm. your own plays. Mm-hmm. So that's when people started seeing that you were an actress as well. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, was that ever a time that you were like having to choose between acting and playwriting? Um, sometimes I've made a choice to uh, write more than I've acted. Yeah. I've also made my living more writing than I've acted. Yeah, I've made my living acting. Um, but sometimes I've just made that choice because I feel like there's a better actor that can do that part than me in my own shows. Okay. Um, but um, 
yeah, like some I've 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 chosen writing a lot more than I've chosen acting. But I think that's just the path because I always I always feel in my core like when I write I meet God. It's it's my most Tell private. me about that. I don't I'm not um you as meet, connected you you to meet God as you are or at all. <laughs> at all maybe. Um like I don't think I have any gods in my life other than like the god of laughter. Oh, well, you have the access to like abundance yeah so you're you're good and saint ralph when i when i park saint ralph is the god of is parking. your parking god yeah just so yeah i pray out loud my parking gods help me i don't help me and then, but then i'm always like i owe you one buddy and then i don't ever don't like do i should anymore. probably give some sort of sacrifice like so when you um when you started like because also your your career has also taken i feel like a huge turn recently mm-hmm. into tv and film world mm-hmm. was that always part of your Vision? Long game, yeah. It's never not been a part of the long game. But yeah. I think it just took the time that it did to get to the long game. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to have my work on the screen. I've never not, like ever since I was a kid, I've never not visualized that or visioned that or that's never not been a part of the narrative. It's all parallelly. Like I don't want to give up acting for theater or writing for theater. I don't want to give up any any of it. Mm-hmm. Like, all parallel lives, I think. Parallel creativity. Um but yeah, that's never not been a thing of the, like never not been in the mix. But but I think more recently I've uh, carved time out to do it very seriously yeah. because it requires so much time. And is that with um, Remedy? Is that the first thing that came up or what was the first steps into uh, TV and film world? Remedy was first kind of intro to it in a very professional level yeah. to be on a, to be a story editor for it. But Wait, were you that, on the show first or story editing first? I was story editing first. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then they we hung out with them and they were like, you're very funny, you should be in the show. Oh, weird. And like, Another person. <laughs> so then they like wrote a part <laughs> and they were like, you should name it. And it, the part just kept like growing because I added things like the character had these like ridiculously thin eyebrows and I used to like every time I'd snark at somebody I'd like to just in the background like walk by with my eyebrows so it became like a big bit. I love that you said that the character had thin eyebrows because like, probably you I did as thin well. eyebrows <laughs> by that I mean I had very thin eyebrows um, okay so then you started yeah and I loved it I yeah. loved it and I always knew I would get there I just didn't know how I would get there I yeah. loved it but then I had some mental health stuff that I had to deal with during Remedy right. and after Remedy PTSD, which I was in treatment for, as you know. Uh, I think you know. Yeah, you know, I'm interested and in I, this because that must have also, like, for somebody to get, ev- like, that's a moment where you get everything you want, right? You're working on oh, Remedy, yeah. you're writing on Remedy, you've had hit plays, you've won awards, you got it all, and then this kind of thing happens. So you discovered you, discovered you had arthritis, mm-hmm. and that rocked your world so hard that it gave you PTSD. Is that how... Which is like insane when you when I think about it like that when you say it like that when I but say it's it like not that, no, no 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 it is to me I know it, but when I, I read... take that word back actually that's oh. not a that's not a um, sensitive word to use it's it, it's 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 over the top when when because I used to say that to my therapist I used to go people get diagnosed including my partner Ryan's had cancer he's yeah. in remission from cancer I say that to my therapist I go my partner who wasn't my partner at the time but okay so I never gave him as an example I used to say people have cancer yeah. People, people have wars. tumors in it. Yeah. My aunt has a tumor she's living with in her brain. She's not in PTSD. People go through war. This is meant for soldiers. What is going on with my brain? Right, but what's going on with your brain to belittle that experience for you? You know what it is? I think it got so out of hand that I couldn't comprehend why it was getting so out of hand. And it's not in a self-deprecating, I have a healthy ego. It's not in a self-deprecating way, but in a way of like, 
not being able to comprehend it because in my mind how I understood mental health or rather how I understood PTSD so the education has been great so hence I do a lot of advocacy for it yeah at that time in my mind I didn't see it as belittling I see I saw it as unable to comprehend it because I couldn't understand in my mind at that time I thought you needed huge things for your brain to be stuck in PTSD you know what I mean I, at that I get time, it not anymore but you I've learned, learned something, you said myself. something super wise in one of the articles I read saying that you you weren't aware of the absorption my brain was doing through no idea but I think that's a really valid thing that we don't even know like when you spend a time we all know when we spend time with that friend of ours that's a real yeah. downer how yeah. you feel afterwards yeah right it's it you're absorbing yeah. it so yeah. that's what you went through it, it makes complete sense to me I think what was cr- what was in what was intense for my brain was to have arthritis in your spine arthritis in your eyes yeah. arthritis in your knees losing your grandparent moving into a very small tiny apartment for the very first time in that part of the city uh, but, but like it was just like five six things yeah. but also being physically disabled and not being able to walk and then injecting injections which side effects is cancer and MS and 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 lupus and having to sign a form saying yeah sure I know I might get and then giving yourself injections as a reality and the reason I'm so open and frank and real about this shit because I'm I'm I don't want to live in an authentic life where I'm not pretending I don't have any of these things. You know what I mean? Because you we have to carry it with you. I get it. And, and the more separate we talk about our weaknesses, the more <clears throat> other people come out and say, "Oh, that is also mm-hmm. what I'm going through," mm-hmm. and or we went make, through or whatever's yeah. going on. Exactly. But wait a second. So your arthritis manifested in not being able to walk, and you had to inject physically, like inject in my on in my bed on my thirtieth birthday, not being able to get out. Oh my god! Like, done. Like party canceled. In a wheelchair, like just like unable to. And move, was that overnight? Hobbling, overnight, like. Oh my god! I experienced like tiny bits of kind of pain, but nothing in that level that happened that morning when I woke up and my mother to rushing me to the emergency and injections in my stomach. So I think what was happening is my brain was absorbing it as high trauma because I was scared I was going blind because I couldn't see really well through my left mm-hmm. eye it was blurry and. And my brain thought I could never perform. So I had tours booked that we started to cancel. I had work that I was canceling. How will I pay rent? So my brain heightened it, which I later learned in PTSD treatment when I was unable to recognize myself in the mirror, when I had panic about my mother not being my mother, when I had panic that I didn't know the address I was living in. I would, what what if I showed up someone else's house when I had panic about like killing, killing myself Mm -hmm. when it's like beyond my comprehension. Mm-hmm. That is not who I am. It's not a world I've ever accessed, you know? Yeah. And I have so I read much that you would just walk down your street. Palmerston with a fishbowl day after day. Luckily, there's a lot of people on Palmerston <laughs> that walk around with fishbowls. <laughs> Do they? Uh, no. In their pajamas and, 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 and house coat. Yeah. That it's must terrifying. have been terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. And the act was terrifying because I had lost touch with reality because yeah. I used to just repeat, you know, I'm Nishu Roy, I live at Palmerston, and I, I, these are my accomplishments. I, I used to repeat it because it was so far away from me. Yeah. It was just, and I used to experience, I cannot explain it until somebody has actually gone out of it. You literally are outside of yourself. Yeah. So I'm standing in front of me. Just watching yourself. Watching myself. And yeah. that's an actual thing. Like it's an actual real thing. Or or the other thing is I used to hear my voice on a delay. So now I would hear, I used to hear mm. my voice on a delay. So there was a 
five six second pause mm. so then i was always confused like did i already say this to naomi like is she gonna look at me going like why are you repeating everything twice because i would hear it later on late much later than i said it mm-hmm. it's just manifestation of post-trauma so for somebody that is as um like structured and devoted to work as you are that must have been a huge realignment it was very debilitating and it's and that's you're probably still in the process of coming back from that you know mentally no mentally no i'm healthy and i i see my therapist probably like once every year if i need it i when iris passed away i called her up again and i said i need to talk about it but i don't i don't have access to that side of my um illness mm-hmm. but what i'm aware of is the fragility of life in a way that i did not know before and that kind of a little bit makes me sad because mm-hmm. I, i want back the um anushri who had reckless abandon and i don't have that and i will never have it i'm i'm a i'm um anushri that's calculated risk taker mm-hmm. the reckless abandon is gone So the risk taker is still in me. Like I will go to Vegas tonight if you tell me to. Yeah. But I will make sure my injections packed and I've called my doctor and I've checked in with like pe- like yeah. there's a versus I would just like go from here, which I won't do anymore. Like there's a so I I I mourn that anushri, you know. I really yeah. do. I I mourn that side of me that that was absolutely reckless and like had a you know, in a I still have huge ambition, like a huge dreams ahead of me, simply because that's just the makeup of my DNA, but um and and 99 of them are completely unrealistic uh when i think about it on this side but mm-hmm. when i get there i go yeah i knew what i was doing right. like of course i knew what i was doing but but the, there's a recklessness that i don't have anymore yeah. I, i'm i'm more than that sure. more than that i i miss that person is there part of of you that you celebrate that you get to have now because of that experience compassion i didn't have that before really No, not in this level I didn't. Guy yeah. compassion as everybody does. Yeah. But I have deep compassion now, which I which I which I which I really didn't before. I have deep compassion for people's authentic struggles, which 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 I I really didn't have before. I really don't, I really and that's not I'm not shaming a version I used to be. I I just like didn't understand it. Like if somebody said that they couldn't do something publicly because of anxiety, mm-hmm. I would just be like, so get over yourself. Like I really would and mm-hmm. I've said that. Like I'm and it's true. I and now? I I feel bad, but it's I can't lie to you. Like I've actually said that. I I used to have a friend that I remember nail picker and like really having a trouble like you know and I used to remember saying to her I like I just don't understand like just get on with it. Like you have to actually you want the job, right? So like just hustle and do it. But now I go it's actually not possible for some people. So then how do you authentically have that conversation and go I I have compa- I have such compassion for you mm-hmm. so how can I actually genuinely keep my mouth shut and hear you and like actually make the space and hold space and hear you and keep my mouth shut and give no advice and just hear and go so what would you like to do did not was not aware of that like it just did, was not in touch with it mm-hmm. I think because I was raised by hustlers I'm a hustler there's always like Get on with it. Just like do it. Like what do you mean? Just do it. Like cuz you just if you just get up and just do it. But I'd realize now some people just don't have the ability and the only way, reason I realize that now is I I I I I I saw myself in that version and it was terrifying. Like I remember standing going to India in 2013 and standing at the airport. And I'm a person at that time or, or before PTSD, I just I don't know how else to describe it. I just 
I, honestly, Naomi, I just didn't give a shit. Mm. Like, I just was like, life is, gr- like, life is grand. Mm-hmm. Like, you just hustle and you pray and you work hard for what you want and you work and you work and it happens because because there's an indestructibility to somebody that can work hard that was my tr- card you know mm-hmm. like that was my like card but i didn't know that you could get sideswiped you know like that you could get whatever the word is like completely caught off guard mm-hmm. but i remember standing in the line at the customs and my parents came to drop me off and I looked at my mother and I was having extreme panic of dislocation. So I was outside of my body in a customs line. And I kept thinking that I would I was ahead of the customs line than I was. So I was like, have I already checked in? I have no sense of reality. Where am I going? And I was taking a plane by myself, which I've done a million mm-hmm. times before that. And I remember looking at my mother going, is she my mom or is she someone else? <gasps> oh my God, I'm waving to a random person. I should look away, I should look away. So I remember like turning away and then looking back and my mom looking very confused. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this lady's confused as to why I was, so this, and then I was like, have I gone crazy? I've gone crazy. And that's, I mm-hmm. use that word responsibly because that's the word I was thinking at the time. And I was like, I've lost my mind. I've lost, I'm going to India. Where am I going? Where am I traveling? So it's like, how did you get through board of the, exactly. The I don't know because I was so scared. I was like out of my reality. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, where am I? What country am I visiting? I should check my passport. So on the other side, when your parents weren't there, you just crossed your fingers and hoped you got to the right gate and to the yeah. right plane. No, and, and that's else. true. I have no other... Oh my God. I, I can't lie to you. That's exactly what I was thinking. I yeah. was like, hope I'm on the right plane. And I remember going to India going like... And I've never spoken about this part, like, ever. <laughs> uh... I went to India for 11 days, that trip. I've never gone to India for 11 days. It's a crazy expensive trip for yeah. 11 days. I remember sitting across from my uncle in my grandmother's bed. And I remember thinking, And I just remember thinking, I don't know who these people are. Oh, my God. I'm in the middle of a room full of strangers, and I'm so scared. Like, I was so scared. Like, I remember thinking, I'm so scared. I've I've come to another country. And it was my mom's youngest brother, his wife. Two of my favorite people, my cousins, and my other uncle. And they're all just telling jokes, similar environment. My grandmother's bed, the same sheets. I go into India every year at the time, every year. I remember sitting on that bed going like, I'm in a stranger's house. Because I was dislocated. I was watching myself, Mm -hmm. watch myself. I have this conversation. I remember thinking, how do I get out? I don't have a ticket to go home. But where do I even live? I don't know where I live. And this is just my authentic reality and my authentic experience as somebody who was struggling so much with mental health. And truly, and again, I use this word responsibly because these words are very weighted. I felt crazy and I felt I had gone mad and I had no access to reality because that's the reality of living with mental health problems and what post-trauma does when your brain has absorbed it. And I remember waking up the following morning, literally 
scared to death that I had made a mistake and that I was in a house with strangers. And it's so sad. Like what I, did you I do? feel so sad. I was just scared that eleven and days. And did you say like to your uncles, no. we, "I have to leave"? Or no. no. So you I, just... I was dislocated a lot. And whenever I could come back to reality, I would go, "Oh no, everything's okay. Everything's okay. So everything's okay. Hold the furniture. Hold the furniture. Hold the furniture. Everything's okay. Everything's okay." When I started treatment, like full fledged. Is that when you came back? Treatment. You went right into treatment, or? Uh, no, I couldn't find a therapist. You did cognitive behavior. CBT, CBT, yeah. I swear by it. And anybody listening, anybody listening, anybody listening, struggling with depression or struggling with anxiety or struggling with PTSD, it is proven. Like, it's science. It is just science. It is so hard. PTSD, uh, CBT is so hard. But it is science. It is science. And I will advocate it for the rest of my life. It is science. It is cognition-based science-based mm. treatment the what only that? one like, that actually works it changes the cognition in your brain so what do you have to do in a session so you face every single fear so for example because i've talked about this one of my biggest fear was not being able to recognize myself or my mother was a big somehow my brain thought my mom was a stranger because obviously she's the most close person to my person to me and that you know that i was with mm -hmm. my therapist would say the way you change the cognition in your brain for my type of treatment, I'm sure people listening, anybody that's had it or dealt with different, it, different, and yeah. I respect that. It's just for me, I can only speak for myself. One of it was, so the fear, so then if you diagnose the problem, say the fear is my mother is not my mother, and I have no sense of reality when I'm with her, I don't recognize her, which, so then what do you do to hold on to that what do you do to get rid of the fear, which yeah. means you go see your mother all the time to make reassure that this is the person. Mm -hmm. So what's the treatment for that? You don't see her for six months. Oh, man. So forget That's her. That's awful. Go forget her. Do it. Forget her. So I remember my doctor saying, so the fear is that you're going to forget your mom? I was like, yes. Yes, yes. So I have to like go see her every night. I have to take a cab, like $30 rides. I have to see her all the time. But and your mom must have like, not, like, when you said, oh, by the way, I'm not going to see you for six months. Devastated. going to go through this treatment. She must have been very She concerned. was devastated. Yeah. She was devastated. And I didn't see her for, for not six months. I think I think the rule my pact my therapist and I made was, like, it's extended. still, like, three months or so. I can't remember now. Mm -hmm. Like, a big chunk of time. Um, She was devastated, but she was very supportive. And she said, I just want you healthy because this is not you. And I know something is majorly wrong. Yeah. Uh, sure, like, if this is what you have to do. And I remember at the time, had post-it notes all over the mm -hmm. house, you know, on my mom's face. So I never saw her for that mm -hmm. whole time. And the panic was tremendous. To the point, Naomi, that your eyes, again, science, PTSD this does this to your brain. That's why it's so real. Mental health is so real. For me, I, I can only say for myself, people's faces shatter because your eyes... Uh, I don't remember technically what exactly happens, but I think it absorbs extra. Something happens and you get so scared that your vision gets distorted with fear. So I used to remember seeing my mother and I used to go to say to my therapist later on that she became like 10 images, like in my, like she was shattered in my mind mm. and my dad's fine, you know. And my therapist was like, yeah, yeah, that's mm. just trauma. When did you know that you were being successful in your therapy? About a year and a half in. Slow, like slow, where I was did not have trouble looking at a mirror. 
because all my mirrors had curtains on them. Like I did not. Because you didn't recognize yourself. I didn't recognize myself. And so, what was the moment? Did you see yourself in the mirror and be like, "Oh, that's me"? Yeah. And to this day, my therapist, who I love, Dr. Tanisov, is incredible. To this day, she will say she won't acknowledge that as a she. She's always she always is like, "Nope, that was just a product of PTSD. That's it." And I'm like, "No, like I actually don't recognize myself." And she's like, "That's just a thought. Is 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 a thought. You can forty thousand thoughts go through your head. That's a thought that your brain got stuck on." She swears by that. So mm-hmm. when I was like, "I finally recognize myself," she's like, "Thought is a thought. Is a thought." She stays with her story, yeah. which I love. Yeah. But also, like that was my first time where I was like, or also being at a family event. Because I would literally watch, again, this is this is how much your brain plays tricks. I would literally watch the wall get up and move towards me. Like all the walls are act physically coming towards me. When none of that is happening, it's not based in reality. We know that. So what am I hallucinating? Like what mm-hmm. is going on then? It's just your brain's flight or flight. Mm-hmm. fight. So I just want to get out. So I would want to get out. But my treatment was then that I was not allowed to hold down to furniture. So Dr. Janisov was like, you cannot hold down to furniture. If you feel like you're floating, why don't you experience that? Why don't you float? That is amazing. <laughs> float. Right. Yeah. So then just start floating. That's almost like cognitive uh, dreaming. Like is when it? you know you're in Oh, yeah, yeah, when you're out of And you're yeah. able to go, oh, yeah. I'm falling. Oh, wait a second, that's a dream. I'm just going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, so in the world of um, believing the universe is guiding us, yeah. why do you think you were given this? I was given that to, number one, have more compassion. But number two, um, for a greater reason that I can share to you when we're not okay. on, we're not speaking okay. publicly. But but I think a lot big for compassion and also yeah. for my own writing. Like I've accessed a lot of um, things with it that I would not have mm-hmm. had I had I not had the compassion piece. And did your um, did this? chapter in your life did that instigate you getting fit and healthy and arthritis did yeah yeah arthritis did it was did. that part of like you this is what you have to do for your arthritis yeah yeah that and must have also went. given you whiplash yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because you're like holy because because when you're overweight uh every pound uh, i mean this is also anybody like or or, or a quote-unquote no or a healthy weight, mm-hmm. according to your body, um, whatever healthy is for you, um, one pound on regular weight is four pounds on your knees. Oh. That's just for anybody. Yeah. So right now I'm 120 pounds. Times four is what my knees are feeling. So right. my 120 is times four. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a lot. And what were you? Uh, I was 200 pounds. Wow. So then times four is what my knees were feeling. So then you just got to do something about that. Because that's not working if you have osteoarthritis, which I do. And if you have spinal arthritis, it's just not working for you. But the anxiety came about not, not, not losing weight and getting fit. But it was, how can I do it so fast? Like, you, like how can I or how? How can I? Like, I don't know how to do it that fast. And I'm in so much pain. How do yeah. I work out? Yeah. But you just have to find a way. So I got an incredible trainer to train me. But it's also, expe- I think it was a lot of it. Yeah. That led to this whole breakdown of, of mental health. Yeah. Because you're you going to say it's expensive. To, That's a lot it's of... It's so expensive. Yeah. And therapy? You know how much PTSD, co- PTSD therapy cost me? Because the government did not cover it because I could not wait for that to exercise. So I got free therapy from mm-hmm. the for Mohib, mm-hmm. for CAMH, but I had to be on a wait list for six months. And I didn't know if I could live for six right. months with that state. So and I, there was I, no like emergency like... 
well, unless you're harmed to yourself, which I wasn't. I just, right. I, I, I had harm to myself thoughts. Right. Which, but you had which was very different. Or, or, or harm to myself thoughts. No, there's a difference. Like, I, I don't want to lead anybody listening in a different way. But I, I did not, I never said to my, I had to be in a psychiatrist's office to talk to, talk about harm to myself, which is like so crazy. Um, the difference is I never said at, at, a therapist, at, at that psychiatrist's office that I had to see for, for screening. Mm-hmm that I'm worried that I'm a harm to my thought. I said, I'm getting these thoughts that are not uh, self-created. So I don't know where they're coming from, mm-hmm. which later on I realized high anxiety puts in traumatic, eventful, crazy, uh, intense thoughts in your head because you're just manufacturing. So thoughts are heightened at the time. But I never was like scared that I would hurt myself because mm-hmm. I'm not that make and that's never, I've never accessed that emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, PTSD therapy cost mm-hmm. me $11,000. And the only reason I paid for it is because I made money on remedy. Right. But that money is all I spent on treatment. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. And, and more, because that was the initial, like, that year was what that was. But because sometimes I had to go in twice a week, I was so sick. Yeah. But my question is, for people that don't have the access, or, or, right, or, 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 or right now people don't have access that don't work in film and television. Yeah. If you're just working in theater or, or having to support yourself with another job and you're really sick, mm-hmm. what are you doing? How are you making that work for you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know? So it's, it's that's why I'm a huge advocate and I tell the truth about it because I really, really, like, even if I even if one person's benefited in some way, yeah, it's a big difference because I never want anyone else to go through yeah. that type of trauma. And was there, um, like, that fear of going backwards? Was that what always, motivated you to always, get oh to God, the gym? Always. Always. Yeah. And even fear of going backwards mental health-wise. When I was first in recovery, I was like, what if all of that comes back again? Right. What if that happens? Do you still have that fear? No. Because I learned that you cannot unlearn what you've learned. Right. My brain will not be able to unlearn what I've learned. If something new happens, then I have to access that. Then I have to go forward with that. That's yeah. a new event that will trigger new things. But you can't go back. You, I learned this in treatment, and that's why I advocate for it so much, is you cannot unlearn what you've already learned. Like, your brain's learned how to get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. It won't go backwards on you. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's got you forwards. So anything that happens forward will keep you going forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so um, tell me about how uh, life is in this new body. It's great. It's a lot of maintenance. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of maintenance. <laughs> yeah. It's great, like, on a superficial level because I'm booking and seeing things I would never have been seen for, yeah. unfortunately, but it's true. Um, it's great because I like it, but it's a lot of maintenance for somebody who's never, uh, whose make is not to be 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. My make, emotional uh, and physical, is to be 200 pounds because mm-hmm. that's what I've been my whole life, you know, so... So it's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of like being aware of what I'm eating and going to the gym five days a week. Um, but yeah, that that's just true. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's feeding the narcissist in me is great, right? Um, but but it's it's a lot of work. Do you ever get angry <laughs> about? I used to. Now I don't get angry. Now I'm like, oh, Ryan can eat this whole thing, and I'm just sitting and watching. And my partner has a full on like he's jacked and he eats 
everything. Yeah. Because his metabolism is amazing. Yeah. And he works out five days a week, so I can't take that away from him. Right. But he does work but out five days a week. But he, but he also eats like 16 slices of pizza. It's true. Like yeah. Ryan's eaten 16 slices of pizza. I have photographic evidence for that. <laughs> That's just like how his body is. And he's like, I love how everything like, always what? comes back to science for you. Science. Like, I have photographic Prove it. evidence. That Prove, this it. Is what, Prove it. I'll just take me. your word. Industry. I just <laughs> I swear it's from therapy. I remember because I was remember saying to Dennis Hoff, I was like, but I'll never get better. Like, it'll never get better. Yeah. And being like, I don't understand why this is like turning into like a whole thing because it's just science. Like it's guaranteed. Like, yeah. I don't understand what well, the mean. science of like, why aren't you taking me on as a writer agent? Uh, I have to oh, do yeah, this. you're right. Then, do you think all of it's like that? Where I'm like, I think that's your brain. Like, I think that's uh, the way you're made. Which is what? Which is like A, B. Has to equal C. Equal, yeah, it has to. Otherwise. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. And so when something like that trauma happens to you, it's like, a, B equals f- furry fish. Yes, it doesn't make any right. sense. You're absolutely right. And I remember, de- you're absolutely right. And I remember Janisov saying, you have led your life with your family background or whatever else, how you were impacted, to believe in absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. And when the, it's been uncertain, you have made sure that you have hustled hard enough that you've changed reality for yourself. Yeah. This is beyond it because you've never visualized this. You've never envisioned this things you have hustled for has happened. Yeah. And when it hasn't happened, you've always found a side street to get there. Yeah. It's always goal oriented, which is true. Like when I even go to parties, it's so ridiculous. I said to my friend, girlfriend of mine, I was like, I'm coming to your Christmas party and my goal is to have fun. She's like, why? <laughs> like, why does everything? You have a specific we threw a bachelor- goal. Yes, yeah. I did. I threw a bachelor- we uh, Five girlfriends or six, seven girlfriends of ours threw a bachelorette party for my friend Joanna Barada, who recently got married. And I drove her to the to the cottage, and uh, to the Airbnb we were staying in. And I said, Joanna, my goal for this weekend is to take it easy, let it go, and have fun, and see how it goes. <laughs> like, every- Still a why goal. Is, why is there a goal? goal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why is the goal? I only, like, what do you mean? I only laugh because I recognize it, that I go. Are you, are you goal-oriented? Well, I, uh, goal-oriented, but I, I think the answer to everything is work harder. Uh-huh. And I had this great discussion with a friend of mine, Kat Barker, and she said, challenge yourself to let allow things to come to you. And I don't, like, I don't trust that element. Um, and so why? for me, I don't know, because I, I, it's not tangible. I know that if I work hard, I can get these results. If See. I don't work hard, I can't tell if those results are going to come. And meditation yes. isn't necessarily working hard to me. <laughs> Do you know what like I mean? Chilling and sitting down. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like I really worked all that hard. So oh my god, that is so I've got some, funny. I've got a lot to learn in that in that Department. capacity. Yeah. I had a f- hilarious moment. So Ryan and I, because we're wedding planning, we're planning, we're looking at DJs for our wedding. Yes. And last night I am not available, but thank you. Okay. okay. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. I know we wanted her. Sorry, Anna, who's like hustling for Naomi. Um, so last night I I was. Uh, meal prepping for the weekend Ryan's looking up DJs and, and he's like okay so what do you think of this guy and he's like we're listening I'm like no next get to the next one and, Ryan, and Ryan's like standing up and dancing I'm like Ryan please get it together get to the next <laughs> DJ he's getting to the next DJ and he's like standing up he's like really driving to yeah. the music and one music is like going on for two I'm like next like next SoundCloud and he's like you know we're supposed to have fun right like yeah. you know fun right I was like <laughs> Oh, I didn't think of it as a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. We yeah. should have the goal of the wedding planning. It should be too fun. Like, it's just like the yeah. natural thing doesn't go there. You might have found there. the right guy if he's reminding like, you. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 fun. Yeah. Okay, you can just schedule fun. Thank you for that. Hold on a second <laughs> in my calendar. I never used to be like this yeah. back home, but it, you know. You've been through a lot you. of changes. Life changes you. Life yeah. changes you. And I think if you follow, there's things I recognize about myself a lot more now than I, that that come back to who I was. More yeah. Than, more than, you know. Like what? 
um, to be silly. Yeah. Like, I used to be very, very Because that's all within you still. Yeah, I used it to be very, be very like... silly. I used to be very silly. And then suddenly I had to get very, like, serious very fast. From I, the move? From the move. Yeah. I used to get very, like, I had to take it very seriously. 9-11? 9-11. And I just realized people would take me seriously if I took myself seriously. Right. Or, you know, but I have access to my, like, silly side. Like, I would... Like oversized. Why did you think your sweater? Because like I would not, you know what I mean. Like I find myself wearing like huge oversized things now, yeah. which which to me is like. Is your room to be silly? Yeah, because mm-hmm. which to me is like a little bit like not put together, I think, and I and and that's okay. I'm wearing long johns. Who's kidding? Who? You look I am good. put together. Roots, long johns, <laughs> fitted, nice, coordinated, blue on blue on blue. Oh, boo. yeah. Um, but the, but it's good to have a silly set. Also, Ryan's like high energy like in the morning good morning good morning and I'm like why are you singing where's the coffee why are you singing yeah. like what's happening like yeah. there's a silliness that I think inherent so laughter is now a huge part which which I think is something that you live for which is well I always thought I mean we don't know each other that well but I've always thought laughter was accessible for you um I usually try to wrap things up by talking about um any books or films or music that's inspiring you Oh, oh my goodness! Books, films, or music, or TV, or plays. TV. Yeah. What are you watching? Um, Line of Duty, British British cop show, is like just the most incredible thing Mm -hmm. and beautiful that I've ever seen. And I'm really watching that with a lot of heart to watch real, complicated, real written authentically written complicated characters Mm -hmm. so if anybody that's listening to this hasn't seen it see it yeah and for music i just really like cheesy american top 40 me too like my soul is in i love it if it makes me dance in despacito love it like i can't like why is that just like summer why can't it be winter hits is that your wedding song your this is our song despacito do you think i can convince ryan i'm like remember when you said we have to have fun I Can that be our first dance? I love it. Despacito. That would be fantastic. Mm, I don't know, but I, I'll try. Do you have something that is your mantra that gets you through? Um, the thing that's written on my writing board is tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And sometimes I'm aware that it's which in life translation is to be completely authentic, like flaws and all. And sometimes I get self-conscious because it makes me not look as, I don't mean physically, but it makes me not look as pretty as I would want the perception to be. But if I've honestly promised myself that, I have to live a very authentic life. And I think when I turned 35, I was like, I have to live it absolutely authentically and like tell the absolute truth. And even if it means I'm not being perceived in the pretty way or the tidy way that I would want want to be perceived as um but but tell the truth nothing but the truth because I chase that in my writing a lot and that's a lot of pressure right if you're if you're not living the truth and not telling the truth you're containing it all you know what I'm worried about I swear to you Nami this is what I'm worried about is to forget what lie I made up like if I'm not living the truth then I'm like who did I say what right. to then I have to like remember all yeah. of it I'm like I can't do that yeah. I can't I can't do that I can't carry that like that I have to like remember yeah. all of these lies like that it's like so crazy to me right and also one thing that Ryan and I have in our relationship which like 
slightly irritates me, but I just like have to do it because I've committed is like, you have to tell the truth. Like you can't even like do like a little lie, but it's hard in a relationship. Yeah. Like Ryan brought me these amazing flowers, yeah. which is like lovely and like such a beautiful gesture. But, but I hated the flowers, <laughs> like the, the type of flowers. Right. So then like, what do you say? Like, I want to be like, Oh my God, thank you so mm-hmm. much. And my mm-hmm. head go, oh, I wish they were like Herbers. So like, how did you say that? Did you say, I love them. I had to be like, I just want to remind you with kindness and compassion that you've made this pact. Yes. Because you believe in telling the truth yeah. all the time. So oh. I'm learning that. Better that than 20 years from now, he's still bringing you ugly flowers. That's and you're true. like, Ugh. That's ugly flowers. I only blame so myself. I just, I, so I had to be like, I love this gesture and I'm so grateful. I'm yeah. so grateful. And I'm not being high maintenance. I just have to tell the truth. That's what is going to be sit on my heart that I lied. Mm-hmm. I just don't like this type of flower. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan's reaction was like, oh, I don't know. Cool. Next yeah. time. But wasn't except, devastated, wasn't like... No, except when it's reverse, I'm like, you didn't like my cooking, which means you don't love me, which means like this is all a lie, the whole oh, thing, oh my no. God. He's like, no, I just mean like, I just don't like this curry. I'm like, why? Yeah. What did I do wrong? Yeah. My life. Like He's like, no, just this food. Uh, it's a joy. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> thank and you I so much thank for you having so me. Thank you so much for your, your thoughts and your, your authenticity. Thank you. Yeah. I so appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad this worked out. Me too. And thank you for anybody that's listening. And that's Anushri Roy. I'm just such a fan of hers. I, the thing is with these um, discussions with Firecard Department, every single person I talk to, I'm like, I want to work with them. They're such creative forces. Every single person I have on this show, fantastic ladies. So don't forget to uh, to drop us a line. Tell me what you thought about this conversation with Anushri. Uh, tell me what you thought about others. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Firecracker DEP. Don't forget to subscribe on our iTunes because that makes a difference. And maybe write a little comment about what you think about the show, about an episode. And if you have more to say, I would always love to hear from you in an email. FirecrackerDEPT at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I super appreciate it. I really, really do. And uh, go on out there. Get, get bold. Get brave. Go create. Tell me what you're doing. See you next time on the Firecracker Department. I'm Naomi Sneakers.